Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Wheeler, Cycle, Line A, scores! I don't believe my eyes. Wheeler gets a hat trick. Oh my goodness. It's a big Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Much different uh, aura around the Winnipeg Jets as they head into the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm Jamie Thomas, Mitchell Clintonson across the desk from me. This is Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. I was going to say, you pop your head from around the computer monitor. So we are in an you. office at True North uh, out of the uh, Bell MTS Iceplex, and uh, they were nice enough to lend us a very nice office. There's a fridge over in the corner. We're going to figure out what's in there after we get this done, because nice. who knows what could be found <laughs> in there, what kind of fun could be had with that. But... Uh, Mitchell just got back from the road. Jets had a four-game road trip to close out uh, the the 2018-19 regular season. The Jets have home ice. Yes. Maybe not the home ice they were looking for as in Central Division champions. But, however, they do have home ice in their opening round series against the St. Louis Blues. But, Mitch, just looking back at the four-game road trip, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. But last but not least, they ended things on a high note, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. And I thought what Palmer, he's kind of said after the game against the Arizona Coyotes, where you end off with a 4-2 win, going into that game, in order to win the division, the Jets needed some some help uh, from the out-of-town scoreboard. Uh, from They would need St. Louis to lose and Nashville to lose as well. Uh, and just the way things go, neither of them lost. But by the time uh, the game was starting against the Arizona Coyotes, uh, Nashville, I believe, had just pulled ahead 3-2. So the way that the Jets kind of went into this was, are we going to have home ice or are we not? That's yeah. what's that's what's on the plate. That's what you're playing for. Uh, so Paul Maurice was pretty happy with the fact that they were able to go out there, get the job done, win 4-2 over the Arizona Coyotes and, and get home ice because, you know what I mean, you look back at the playoffs last season, you don't have home ice against Nashville, you end up winning the series. But then you go up against Vegas, you have home ice and you lose the series. So it's not necessarily the be-all, end-all. But to be able to to have the opportunity to, to get on a roll, to start uh, with a little bit of momentum uh, with the whiteout. And the other thing, too, is the scheduling. You talked about the four-game road trip we were just on. The Jets would have been getting home Sunday afternoon uh, as they were coming from uh, two time zones over. Uh, so they would have stayed overnight on Saturday, flown back to Winnipeg on Sunday, practiced Monday, practiced Tuesday, and leave again yeah. uh, for another four day, four or five days or so. So that would have been uh, a lot of travel. And that was the thing that Paul Maurice was the most, I, I don't say relieved, but just happy about the fact that you get to go home and be home for a little while. So much has been made of maybe Mark Shifley and, and Blake Wheeler not really driving things as well as they did a year ago. There was signs of that again against the Arizona Coyotes with Kyle Connor on the line. There was life there. I'm not saying there hasn't been that much life, but a little bit of a good positive note heading into the postseason. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, maybe that, that conversation is out there, but you look at Mark Shifley ends up with a career high in points and Blake Wheeler ties his. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they went out and did uh, the kind of stuff that they needed to do, but I mean, talking to these guys every day, they're always trying to find that next level, right? So that's what uh, I think they were working on. And one thing that really stands out to me, even though the Jets lost the game against the Avalanche, that first period, that line was unbelievable. And you look at you, one of the things that you think of with that group is so there's so much skill, there's so much speed. Um, you know, they can make some real nice plays in the offensive zone. 
the goal that Mark Scheifele scored to open the scoring was just Bufflin blasting the thing toward the net, misses it, comes back off the end boards. Kyle Connor just puts it to the net, and Mark Scheifele just flies into the crease, and he's just hammering away at a puck to get it to go over the line. So, you know, maybe there's not, you know, the insane skill level required on that one. That's just pure will and determination. And anytime you kind of see that, with the regular season winding down, that's what you want to be seeing from from everybody throughout the lineup, of course. Uh, so I think it bodes well. And Blake Wheeler kind of touched on this after the Arizona game. The way the lines are configured now, um, and just the way that the Jets' forward core is put together, they got four lines that if they can, if everybody's going, they can play at a real high pace, and they can get scoring from any one of those four lines. Makes them real tough to play against. So that's something that. Uh, Against the Blues, I think the Jets will really be uh, leaning on. On the note of lines, Paul Maurice mentioned right after, you know, about a week after they had clinched their division that he was going to tinker with the lines. There was going to be some movement just so he could see what kind of matchups they were going to work, what was effective. He did a little bit of that on this road trip. What line outside of the Connor Shifley, Wheeler line kind of stood out to you? Did you like Perot on the second line, line with um, Ehlers and uh, Hayes, or what else did you like in the configuration yeah, think, that he had in the last I think two a games? Lot of, I think a lot of the lines had had some good performances. I thought Par Lindholm coming in halfway through the road trip with Brandon Tanev's injury, he played uh, really well, yeah, really well. Uh, Paul Maurice was very happy with what he saw there, especially given the fact that to that point, Lindholm had only really played two games and then out of the lineup and then comes back in in the final week here and, and really, I mean, was very defensively responsible, was on the puck and made a number of really good defensive plays. So that line was good. Um, and then there just seems to always be some kind of chemistry between Ehlers and Perot, just like the way the two of them play the game. It just, I don't know how, why the styles just seem to work so well. And Kevin Hayes is just a smart player overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's able to kind of find those guys. So, and then you got Brian Little moving back into the middle uh, with Patrick Liney on one side, Andrew Kopp on the other. Um, a couple of real defensively sound players in, in Little and Kopp, and we've talked a lot this season about how Patrick Liney's game has kind of come uh, so far in terms of five-on-five five away from the puck. So I think that line will just kind of continue to continue to work. The interesting part is, and at the time – that we're recording this podcast right now. We still don't know the update on where Brandon Tanev's at. So I'm curious that if Tanev comes back in, you know, what does that change the, the composition of a number of these lines or how are, how are things going to work that way? But lots to be seen, but um, over the course of the road trip, I, I liked what I saw from the forward group. One of my favorite parts of the game in Denver against the Avalanche, even though the Jets did uh, end up losing that game, uh, was Kevin Hayes calling out the Avalanche, telling the officials there was too many men on the ice. He was just waving. His- he was very demonstrative when he was. Yeah. Uh, it was a great heads-up play by the Jets centerman. It just goes to show you uh, his intelligence at that moment of the game. But uh, he's. I'm really liking Kevin Hayes, where he's at with this hockey club as they I get was, to the postseason. When I saw that, I was initially, I, I think I had my eyes down toward my laptop and then I looked up and I saw Hayes with his arm in the air. Yeah. And that is literally one game after Brandon Tanev had just left with his upper body injury. And you remember him going like that with his, with his arm. And so I'm just like, oh man, like, are you serious? Another one. Mm-hmm. But then you see the replay and it's clearly for something completely different. What do they work off of? What do they take from this four games and the way that the season went? You, the road trip was a good sign or indicative of the entire season. It wasn't easy. There were stretches where they looked really good. And there were some stretches where they struggled. Is this the type of 
adversity that they needed to head in the playoffs where last year everything seemed so easy. Yeah, they they definitely went into the postseason last year on a on a real run. And uh, but you know, you, you think about it, and there's a number of teams that have maybe gone into the playoffs not necessarily playing their best hockey, but found it over the course of the postseason. Like the the Washington Capitals were a very good team last year, but I think everybody remembers that Columbus jumped out to a two game to none lead, and then if not for a fortuitous bounce and a puck rolling over a goal line to get Washington back in the series I mean who knows what would have happened so you look at the Jets kind of going into the playoffs this was kind of one of the first seasons that I can remember where really there was a a heavy level of expectation on them there was always the you know if this when this team breaks out you know they they could really be something and then so last season that was the breakout but there was never really the expectation there certainly was in the dressing room they they all have a, a certain level of expectation of themselves but from the outside it was just wow look at Winnipeg and now this season it's a lot different so I think handling those expectations has been um, something that a lot of the team was still getting used to so it'll be it'll be interesting to see going into this first round against St. Louis specifically because and I was looking at some of the numbers uh, yesterday since January 1st I mean we all know the season that the Tampa Bay Lightning have had since January 1st. The Blues have been even better than that. Mm-hmm. So they've been on quite a tear. I think it's 30, 10, and 5 since then, which is, uh, I mean, an incredible performance. So obviously the Jets are going to have their work cut out for them, but we talked a little bit about claiming home ice and where they finished in the division. I mean, look at Nashville gets the division, but as Paul Marie said, your door prize is you get to play against the Dallas Stars, who are not an easy out. I mean, they beat the Jets three times this year. So there's there's no, there's no, going to be no easy matchup regardless of how you go into the playoffs playing. Uh, we'll talk about uh, what we th- what series we're looking forward to seeing throughout, but I don't think of the eight series, sure Columbus and Tampa Bay might look as, as mismatched as anything, but I don't think there's any easy series for anybody in the no, first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. No, there really isn't. I mean, of course, like we mentioned, the the type of season Tampa had with their 62 wins. But, I mean, they'll likely be the first team to tell you that it really doesn't matter when the puck drops in the postseason. You still have to go out and you've got to beat a team four times out of seven. And even the ma- even sometimes if the math shows it looks like it could be a quick series, you just never know. You can get a hot goaltender. There's a whole bunch of things that can happen. We should address this. Uh, also a pleasant sight to see Josh Morrissey in a red yeah. jersey on the road trip. Could have played, apparently, for the, in that last game against Arizona. Yeah, Maurice said he just kind of was going to hold him out just because, like, yeah, you want to play for home ice, but the last thing you want to do is put him out there and there's a re-aggravation or something Especially in the same arena happens. where he was inj- injured exactly. initially. Exactly, yeah. So that was just uh, that was the coach doing that. Plus, I, I think you, you want to get – that was his first practice – that he wasn't wearing gold. So you want to make sure that, you know, he gets a few practices under his belt, which is what uh, Morrissey will get at Bell MTS Iceplex this week with a couple of practices. So I think that'll be important for him. Of course, Jets TV is going to be all over the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and the series against the uh, uh, St. Louis Blues uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. TSN, a big part of the coverage as well. Darren Dreger, I spoke with him last week before a lot of things had developed for the Winnipeg Jets in terms of their playoff situation. Um, very interesting comments. Asked him about the uh, World Hockey Championship, which he goes to every year, and, of course, the many great people that he works with at TSN. Now, here's my conversation with the TSN Insider. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. 
Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets gear locations or shop online at truenorthshop.com. This is Jack Rostick. You're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Please welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Darren Bigger of TSN. Darren, uh, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, is this, I guess, your favorite time of year outside of uh, the trade deadline? Uh, well, yeah, I wouldn't say the trade deadline is my favorite time of year because <laughs> I always joke that uh, the relationships that you know you make along the way, it, it takes me the better part of uh, 11 months to repair the damage done in one month leading up to the trade deadline. Right. Um, you know, I mean, all kidding aside, it is a fun time of year, but it's also a stressful time of year. Now, I, I look forward to this time of year. I mean, the races are intense for the most part. Um, you know, you've got such strong parity that exists in the National Hockey League, and you know, then it's also fun to see the matchups develop and, uh, you know, the, the series, you know, come into a uh, clear light in terms of, you know, who Winnipeg's going to face or some of the battles that we should expect in the East. And then when the playoffs start, I mean, who doesn't enjoy that when the series get underway? I don't want to say it's been, it was easy for Winnipeg and Nashville last season, but it certainly looks like the str- they're struggling a lot more than they were in 2017-18. What do you make of uh, Winnipeg and Nashville's, uh, I don't want to say struggles, but it just hasn't been as easy as it was a year ago? Yeah, I think both clubs would look at it as character building. Um, you know, high stress, obviously, if you're on the coaching staff or your management in uh, in both Nashville and in Winnipeg, but these are two very good teams. These are Stanley Cup contending teams, and, you know, neither organization expects it to be easy. And I honestly, Jamie, I think that's why, you know, the, the Winnipeg Jets, as an example, did an excellent job of trying to condition the market prior to the start of the year, as you know. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they weren't comfortable with the label of being a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, everybody expected Winnipeg to be a playoff team, and they are a, a Stanley Cup contender. But you've got to earn that title over the course of the season and expect that there are going to be some trials and tribulations that go into an 82 game regular season and, and both Nashville and and Winnipeg have experienced that, but that doesn't change my mindset. When I look at both those Western conference teams, and in this case, the rivals, uh, I still have lofty expectations. I mean, much has been talked about and documented regarding, you know, everything that Vegas is about right now. But mm-hmm. when I uh, look at that Western conference playoff pool, I still have high hopes for Winnipeg and for Nashville just because of how well-built these teams are. How difficult of a challenge was that for the coaching staff and for Kevin Sheveldayoff, considering the Jets were one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest team in the National Hockey League, to get the message to not listen to the outside noise that you guys are a Stanley Cup contender, do you think? Yeah, I think it was challenging because, you know, Winnipeg has, has been very methodical, you know, from ownership down in terms of, of the, the slow development and being patient and drafting well and all of those things. And, you know, so there's some success last year in the playoffs, and it, it makes sense that Winnipeg should be able to progress year after year. But I, I think people lost sight of the fact that there were a number of fairly key changes, I would say, in their own mm-hmm. in terms of, of the players that left the organization last year, which meant that Paul Maurice and the coaching staff were – we're going to have to lean heavily on their younger players, particularly up front. And that's been a challenge at times this year. I don't think that there's, uh, there's any question of that. And that's why, you know, the coaches, the players, certainly, you know, Captain Blake Wheeler talked about it prior to the start of the year. Oh, let's, let's just get to the regular season and see where we're at. I don't think that's a lack of confidence in, uh, in the team 
that's just the reality of how tough it is not only to make the playoffs in the National Hockey League, but then to, to go deep. So I think that enough of us actually heard it and absorbed it. But, you know, again, when you look at the year that Winnipeg has enjoyed for the most part, yeah, there's been, you know, a blip or two along the way, including yeah. last night. But in the bigger picture, you know, Winnipeg is still considered a, a contender. But I think people are now more comfortable in talking about it because they've earned it to this point. When you've watched Patrick Laine, which I assume is a lot, over three years in National Hockey League, as a, a 20-year-old that has now reached the 30-goal mark three times in his young NHL career, uh, what do you think of his development this year as opposed to when it looked so easy for him last year scoring 44 and then 36 the year before that? Yeah, it's been tough for Laine this year, you know, through various stretches of the regular season, but that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, he's had to work harder on some of the other aspects of his game, particularly with Puck isn't going in the net. Um, you know, he, he wants to be a contributing player. You know, I think that of late, anyway, we've seen a bit of snarl in his game. He's finishing checks. He's paying more attention to the player he needs to be five on five when he doesn't have the puck. So I think that uh, there have been some growing pains, but, you know, to a proven goal scorer, uh, I'm impressed by the fact that he's recognizing that there are other aspects of his game that he has to continue to work on. So uh, I think that he deserves some credit for that. Josh Morrissey got a, started more attention being paid to him last year and deservedly so throughout the playoffs. So how much uh, do the Jets miss him in your perspective, and now do you think people are appreciating him a little bit more than maybe they were uh, through last year and the beginning part of this year? Yeah, I, I think that Winnipeg, and again, I'll give credit to the leaders inside that room, have done a nice job of not showing or putting a lot of attention on who they don't have in mm-hmm. the lineup. And, you know, you – you know, you mentioned Morrissey, but obviously, you know, Dustin Bufflin is making yeah. progress. But, you know, those are two enormous holes on the back end. Now, that can creep into the psyche of a team. Uh, I think of the Maple Leafs as an example. You know, in Toronto, and they've played a good stretch here without Travis Dermott or Jake Gardner. And it's been uh, a day-by-day storyline. And I think when it becomes that, that can creep into the dressing room to some degree. And, and, and not that players search for excuses. They don't. But you look around and go, geez, it would be great to have those two guys in the lineup. Well, you know, look at the the loss of Bufflin and and Morrissey. Yet, you know, the Winnipeg Jets, for the most part, have have found a way to to soldier on. The good news is, you know, that these guys are getting healthy. It sounds like Bufflin's going to be back before Morrissey. And Morrissey, you know, I think they're hopeful, might get a game before the start of the postseason. But, you know, it's key to getting them both healthy because – both those guys will be impactful players in the playoffs. You just talked about the fact that they've it hasn't become a storyline in Winnipeg. The big part of that has to be Paul Maurice not allowing it to become a story. How masterful of a job has Paul Maurice done of avoiding those conversations within the media? I, I yeah, I mean you know Paul well. Um, yeah, you know he is he's terrific at conveying the message um, in a very intelligent and articulate way, um, and and also seeming like he's answering a question even though he doesn't always answer the question so um he is masterful at deflecting as well and uh i i mean that in a very positive and complimentary way uh but he's also a guy that that has no time for excuses and you know when you're coaching you're coaching the players who are healthy and what you have available to you in your lineup there's no sense worrying about talking about you know who isn't in the lineup because of injury you've got to work with what you've got and that speaks to the depth of the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, I think that, you know, Paul is fortunate, the coaching staff in general is fortunate that there is enough depth 
throughout the organization that even though you lose two key guys like Bufflin and, and Morrissey, it's opportunity for other guys to step up. And uh, for the most part, the players who have been given the opportunity to fill those voids and uh, take a, a more impactful role have done a nice job. How much, uh, I know Paul was there for a short time at TSM, but how enjoyable was he to work with in, in that aspect, in a, in a television aspect? Uh, I learned a ton from Paul Maurice from a hockey perspective. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to take you back to 2005, Jamie, and uh, Paul's time was, was unemployed. And uh, I was working at Sportsnet, and we were going over to the World Championships in Austria to uh, to cover that. And, you know, we convinced uh, Paul to uh, to come along for the ride, uh, but his intent wasn't to go over there to just do television and, and to uh, analyze, you know, Team Canada's march in the World Championship. He's a student in the game. He wanted to learn as much as he could about all of the other European countries and how they prepare. Uh, and I can tell you, he came out of that experience. We were there for probably two, maybe two and a half weeks, and he had a binder full of drills and notes and things that he observed you know, from every, every country's practice uh, to game adjustments, everything that they did. I mean, that, that gives you a pretty clear view of uh, how hard this man works at, at being as good as he can be. So um, on top of that, you know, uh, you again, you've been around him long enough to know he's, he's got a real keen sense of humor. And as he's gotten older, I think we're seeing more and more of that on a day-by-day basis. He's allowed the media in and the camera will catch it. And uh, because of that, I think that you can see that there's an inner peace as well. He's fiercely competitive. I mean, this guy, he wants to win as much or more than every coach in the National Hockey League. That's, that's what keeps the juices flowing. But at the end of the day, you know, he recognizes that, you know, he's got to enjoy life. So uh, it's been fun to, to watch him kind of earn some of the things that he's worked so hard to achieve. Ray Ferraro has spent some time on the, on the Jets broadcast. How great of a, you know, not adversary. I mean, how great is it to have him on the team? And I know it's been quite some time to have him as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ray is the best. Um, and, mm-hmm. I'm, I, you know, I mean that respectful of, of all the other great analysts around the National Hockey League. Uh, but he's got a real sharp eye for detail. I think that's pretty obvious. But, you know, he's he's got uh, an incredible mind for the game as well. And uh, I, I'll tell you, I... I wouldn't be surprised one day to see Ray Ferraro when he's tired of the travel and everything else uh, jump in with an NHL team. Uh, I don't know that, you know, he would want to be a coach. Maybe he would. I think he's more kind of in line with the management side of things. But I, I can absolutely see that when his family has grown and things have settled down for him a little bit, I could see Ray doing that and being very successful. Of all the players you come across, Darren, and I know it's a lot of them, but do you see who would jump out in your mind that would be a great coach or yeah, the best player coming out of the NHL in the future to become an NHL coach in your mind? Mm, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think of, you know, not to bring it back to Winnipeg, but I think of Blake Wheeler. Yeah. Uh, you know, just because the man oozes integrity, number one, right. um, a sharp, sharp hockey mind. And I think that he has the ability to bring out the best in those around him. And we see that from a playing perspective, but, you know, to some degree, I think you need that as a coach as well. And, and if, if you can be trusted and the players can see that you've lived the life that they're living. So, you know, some of the challenges, I think that that can take you a long ways as well. And, 
you know, then I look at some others. I, you know, I think of Mark Shifley and, uh, you know, you talk about a student of the game, you know, here's a guy who, you know, works incredibly hard at all the detail work that, you know, goes into the constant want to improve his game. Uh, but, you know, from a management perspective, you know, the, the players that he studies and everything about that, I think that, you know, he might be, you know, inclined to have some type of career post player as well. The thing is, these guys make so much damn money now, Jamie, that yeah. their careers are over. Why would you bother? You might as well enjoy your family, find a nice warm destination and play golf. Yeah, that's, that's a fair way to, to look at it. I mean, why would you want the stress and the extra hours that you've already put in afterwards and you've set yourself exactly. up for life? So, and, and they have earned that opportunity and that opportunity to make the money. Um, another one, you worked here for, you know, a short time as well, but do you have a, like a favorite local television moment that you, you'll, you'll never forget when, before you went to sports and before you went to TSN? Well, there are a couple, um, <laughs> and, and I'm going to have to be careful in how I describe each. Uh, I was working at CKY television at the time yep. and, uh, Glenn Cassie, who worked at CKY at the time was doing uh, a live interview near Portage in Maine. And, uh, this gentleman, happened to saunter up to Glenn Cassie and uh, his, his, his description wasn't very flattering of Mr. Cassie. He was lobbing, you know, F-bomb after F-bomb. And Cassie simply turned and he said, uh, hey, sir, uh, did you know that Timo Solani got traded? And this guy stopped in his tracks and said, Timo, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that one. Um, there... There was uh, another one who uh, unfortunately involved a guy who uh, perhaps had been overserved. He was sitting on the stairs at City Hall, and uh, one of our news reporters was about to do uh, a live news segment from City Hall as well. And uh, at a very inappropriate time, um, this guy happened to expose parts of his anatomy uh, that the rest no. of the world didn't need to see. Oh, God. <laughs> that doesn't happen at TSN anymore, does it? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I didn't. I'm pretty sure you didn't think that's where I was going to go with that. <laughs> no, I did not at all. So, thank you for adding an extra bonus. See, this is the bonus part of the podcast. Yeah, thank exactly. you so much. This is the extra that you get with it without paying. So, um, just looking forward to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, I, I know it's a busy time for you, and I realize that. But is there a Stanley Cup playoff that stands out to you? as one of your favorite years. I know there's so many that have gone by, but there's got to be a year or a Stanley Cup drive that has impressed you and has never left your mind. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to think about that again because there, there are so many good ones. Uh, mm. You know, I'm thinking of 2011, Chicago and, and Boston and the way that the, the Chicago Blackhawks marched back and in that deciding game and uh, surprised every one of us and uh, I'm not going to lie. We as a media were, were somewhat celebratory because it meant that the series was ending in <laughs> shorter <Yeah>. fashion. <laughs> and, uh, and we were all fortunate enough uh, to, to go home. Um, but yeah, there have been a, a number of interesting ones along the way and, and we're very fortunate. And I, I know I count myself fortunate. Uh, the travel can be a grind and to give you an indication. So I'm going to do the Winnipeg Jets first round series Yep. And then I'm going to duck out for a bit, and I'm going to the World Championships, as I often do uh, annually, and I'm going to Slovakia, so that'll be two-plus weeks. And I'm going to come back, and because the Worlds are starting a week later than usual, um, I might 
you know, get a day or two break, and then I'm diving right back into the Stanley Cup final. So yeah. by that point, you know, you're sitting there going, geez, uh, I, I just need this to end. But I also have the luxury and responsibility and, and great experience to be on the ice as soon mm-hmm. as the Stanley Cup is awarded. So that's why it's difficult for me to pinpoint one because I just see the raw emotion. You know, I, I, I see the relief. I see just the, the, the euphoria that all of those players, you know, have on their face and, and are experiencing firsthand just based on being out there and being allowed to uh, to interview them in that forum. On that note, when free agency is over, how hard is it for you to shut off uh, with your phone on all the time and having to keep up with the latest rumors and, and so on and so forth? How long does it take you to shut down and power down after an NHL season? Yeah, you know, it, it probably takes me a good week to 10 days. Um, and and what I mean by that is, you know, of course, I'm 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 okay with not having to grind it out and, and constantly pester player agents or general managers after July 1st and free agency. But because, you know, you're programmed to do that, you know, I'm constantly checking my phone. So it, it usually takes me until the middle of July where I'm not, looking at my phone every five minutes to see if yeah. I've missed a call or I've missed a, a, a text, but it's getting easier year by year. And I think that that's just experience and, uh, and age. And yeah. this year I'm trying to book a trip to uh, Cabot links in Nova Scotia. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to get there on the third or fourth of July because James Duffy and uh, a couple of other colleagues um, have a group that are going. So if I can get to Cabot on the 3rd of July, then I'll quickly forget about free agency. Yeah, that makes you a wizard if you can pull it off as well, Darren. <laughs> Appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Anytime, Jamie. Thank you. 50-50 tickets are now available online for all Winnipeg Jets games. Buy yours before the start of the third period by visiting tnyf.ca slash 5050 in support of the True North Youth Foundation. Very Happy to have a conversation with Darren Drager. Another thing, and again, this is, happens with me every time I talk to somebody. I think of a question afterwards. I've, I forgot to ask about Drager's Cafe. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, see, I've always, I've watched that over the years. I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of the World Hockey Championships, and I've totally forgot. I blanked out on that one, so I apologize to our the, listeners again. The most scenic cafe. <laughs> the lighting. So not, many locations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, imagine the, the budget must be uh, overspent whenever they use the Dreger Cafe, because it looks like they use a lot of the rental, of course, and mm-hmm. all the lights, and mm-hmm. uh, wherever they're in some fancy cafe somewhere in Europe. So that must be a, a big surplus uh, in terms of trying to get some sponsorship for that event. But uh, one of my favorite things about Darren Dreger, of course, is the Dreger Cafe, and he'll be a big part of T sense coverage of the Stanley Cup playoffs in this opening round series with the Jets and the St. Louis Blues. Before we left you, we had a conversation about the Stanley Cup playoffs and the people were trying to, or the series we're excited about. And I wanted to start with you and uh, before we get into mine. There's definitely a couple. I mean, for me, it's, there's one of them is the Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins just because, I mean, it's the third go around for them. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, anytime you play a team in the postseason, I mean, everybody still talks about Jets and Predators last year. I think you face a team three consecutive seasons. That's going to be, there's going to be something to that. Toronto is obviously a team that, that wants to get over that, that hump. And the Boston Bruins, of course, have aspirations of their own for this postseason. So that's one. The other one for me is, is the Sharks and the Golden Knights. That's, mm-hmm. that's just going to be, two teams that just have so much speed and, and so much 
animosity, we'll say, between yeah. the two of them. Well, Vegas um, knocked him out last year. Yeah, and exactly. This is Eric Carlson's maybe – this is his chance to do something after being injured the latter part of the season, so you could see why he's excited about it. And does, is he going to stay in San Jose? Yeah, there's so many, there's so many question marks that that are around that. But I just think those are two real good hockey teams. I mean, San Jose didn't have the finish to the regular season they were looking for, but at the same time, I just think, like we've said before, that once the puck drops in the postseason, the game just picks up. And so I'm looking for those are probably the two that I'll that I'll be keeping an eye on. I have to go with you on the Toronto one because outside of the Winnipeg Jets, that might be the other team that has the exact same level or more expectation heading into the season, especially with the addition of John Tavares uh, via free agency. And the way that the season started for Toronto, it looked like uh, you know the parade was already being, which it always is in Toronto at the beginning part of every season or at some point. But now the way they close out the season, they lose in Montreal. I think they only finished four points ahead of the Canadians that in was, the standings. That game was absolutely nuts yeah I was, and Bob Cole's there yeah, yeah and I remember looking partway through the second period and shots on goal were like 32 27 it was insane yeah it ended up like 49 49 or something and for a rookie to score a hat trick in his debut game and uh, just and my favorite part of that whole thing is the storyline coming out of Toronto is uh Austin Matthews did not one Ryan Paling to break his record <laughs> Not the fact that Ryan Paling has scored a hat-trick <laughs> and the shootout winner. Let's overlook that one. But we love you, Toronto, but we don't. Um, uh, the series I'm looking forward to seeing is the Calgary Flames and the Colorado Avalanche. Just two teams that are going in the right direction and so much skill and so much speed. But the, the answer to me or question to that one is both teams' goaltending. Yeah. Is, is Riddick, is Grubauer going to be able to do what they need to be do where yeah. there are going to be so many high – Danger opportunities for for both teams. Mm -hmm. And Grubauer uh, was on a real roll near the end of the year. Uh, that was something that a lot of the the players inside the Jets dressing room mentioned uh, after the morning skate. Just the fact, just how well I mean the Avalanche overall had been playing, uh, but Grubauer was was definitely a big part of that. We uh, are going to be in your face and in your ears and uh, in, in, on articles as well as the Stanley Cup playoffs begin Wednesday for the Winnipeg Jets here in Winnipeg against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, make sure you tune into winnipegjets.com often for this. Uh, one thing I do want to remind our listeners about is the pregame show, Jets TV Live pregame show presented by Budweiser, no longer an hour before puck drop. It will be uh, the beginning part of the pregame skate, 10 o'clock, I believe we go live to air. We'll carry it through the Jets pregame skate and as, as well as the uh, St. Louis Blues pregame skate. Lots to throw at you. There's more information coming at you right away. We have some special news uh, down the pipeline here as well. But thank you so much for tuning in. But I am not leaving. I could That's tell right. the nod from Daniel Moss. <laughs> there is one more <laughs> piece of business. Yes, we usually take care of this right away. But uh, it is go to jetsrewards.ca. And the code word this time around is what? Rivalry. There's a rivalry between the St. Louis Blues and the Winnipeg Jets, even though they haven't played since December. And never in the playoffs. So that like just a whole other chapter is going to be written in this uh, story between the two teams. I don't believe this series is going to be a short one, but I think it's going to be a great one. So uh, thanks so much for listening to uh, Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, the first before the postseason edition of the podcast. <laughs> This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.